Roundtable. This is part two where we get into the drama. We have back on the show Easton NDI and Jordan Grimes once more. Have much more sales. Just going it. And we're back with uh, part two of the Casa thing with the same great guests. Uh, welcome back, Aeson. Hey, thanks for having me. And welcome back once more, Jordan. Great to be here again, Mark. Yeah, so we talked about what is CASA. So if you don't know what CASA is, check out part one. This is part two, a little bit more about maybe some of the controversies at the edge of CASA, and maybe some more about just what is necessarily some of the uglier parts that come up in a necessary political process like this. It isn't like in a thing like CASA, we're going to have something that is going to make everyone happy, and in fact, a lot of people are not happy. Just, just I guess one thing I've, I've maybe first heard CASA, or one of the first times was, was hearing... Uh, uh, Alex Schaffrin, uh, who has been on the show before, but he's talking about bad regional politics in the past have been the elites take over and they just push through what they want. CASA tried to bring a lot of people to the table uh, and try to get to a political agreement among many people on all sides. What have been the biggest you know, arguments of CASA is they didn't bring enough of the right people to CASA. And I guess you you were we were talking about this before we got on mic earlier. I mean, so who are some of the people that you know were on the outside looking in and had some reason to say, you know, I should have been there? Sure, definitely. And so I mean, I think uh, we briefly talked earlier about you know the reamed corpse of Henry George. Uh, there were zero we George's all, groups. On I know, here. Uh, I know. That that's was, a big. That was a huge oversight. I feel like yes, uh, George's caucus forever. I know yeah. that's a very big disappointment to you, Mark. Um, I, I need to create the single tax league of the Bay Area to make sure that this doesn't happen again. You really do. You need yeah. to create the uh, anti Howard Jarvis group. Um, no, but as as far as um, equity advocates, uh, I I definitely think um, from a Peninsula perspective. Uh, CLESPA, which is the uh, Community Legal Services of East Palo Alto, um, San Mateo County Legal Aid Society, uh, I think would have been good, Public Advocates. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of- The Law Foundation of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, there are a number, Silicon Valley Foundation, um, who just hired uh, a wonderful new executive director. I mean, there are, there are some serious equity orgs. I mean, they had Fred Blackwell of the San Francisco Foundation- uh, who is one of the who is one of the co-chairs? Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think Silicon Valley uh, Foundation could have been involved. Um, there, I mean, honestly, there are so many great equity orgs that are in the Bay Area that um, you know didn't have a seat at the table, uh, which was which was sort of d- disappointing. We were talking about this a little bit off mic, but going down the list, it was like developer, 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 equity advocate, and then you know repeat. Um yeah. and I, I really do think that uh there there could have and should have been a a much stronger equity position on on the committee. So that that is one strain of what we see is kind of the backlash and some folks that were at the table have really expressed a lot of concern and opposition afterwards. And I'm referring in this case tenants together an urban habitat have both both made public statements afterwards that even though mm-hmm. they're part of the process uh they you know, uh, they they object in many ways. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the and even backlash. I feel like well, okay, backlash is probably a, a fair a, a fair word, but I do think that there are strains, right? And I think tenants together and urban habitat are in the. We want to improve. Absolutely, we yeah. are in the position that you know tenant the tenant protections are 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 a first step, um, and that they can be improved. That make sure that there are enough protections in place uh, in order to make sure that the production uh, proposals don't have a negative impact. And then, of course, there's, an, there's another strain uh, represented by our friends at Livable California, yeah. uh, which is not just outright opposition, but conspiratorial thinking about what is happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I think I think what happens a lot of the times is that there's like here are legitimate concerns by like uh, advocacy groups and tenant groups and equity groups that need to be addressed and definitely need to be um, something that, that we need to incorporate in, um, the implement- in the implementation phase. And then here is like actual yahoos with like, I don't know, burning wicker men um, <laughs> <laughs> who <laughs> would, would, even if they had been brought in, would have just tried to uh, kill and spike any anything that was that would have come out of it. Correct. And I think yeah. like we got to make sure that we understand that like one group is... Not the yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they're, they're complete opposite ends of it. And I guess the, the unfortunate thing of the discourse is that if someone just isn't paying attention you say oh all, all opposition is the same and they're coming from completely different states and they have very different views of what they view as a better world and yes. uh and and i think uh, yeah it's worth if you're talking about trying to improve it one specific case uh, that tenants together uh, was pointing out was the fact that just cause had late in the process inserted you don't get just cause for the first year of tenancy which mm-hmm. is a I'll just say a stupid thing to put in for new tenants. For new tenants, yeah, Uh it's a stupid thing to put in. It's obviously a bad thing. It's not good for tenants, and you should oppose it. And it is their job, in a lot of ways, to hardline for what tenants want. Absolutely, and I think that's a that. Oh, I mean, you're going to say something. Yeah, I mean, I was essentially just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, what you have to remember about the equity groups, about tenants together, about urban habitat, is that they are. They were essentially the stalwarts on, you know, on that committee. They have to hold that hard line, um, you know, by by virtue of there not being many other equity groups on on the committee. They are the ones who have to essentially uh, be in in a in somewhat in somewhat of a sense intractable to the positions that ha- that they come in with, mm-hmm. um, and because of- there's because there's not anyone else on the committee espousing uh, those particular set of ideas. And there's nothing to be. I guess there's there's nothing gained from um, uh, giving ground on basic things like having just cause apply from day one of res- of of tenancy, right? We're not talking. They're not saying. They're not saying anything that is not reasonable. No. Oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No. I mean, I'll say this: you could write a book full of extra tenant protections that should ideally be part of legislation like this. I mean, for example, like at this at this thing in uh, San Jose about people who are largely you know equity folks talking about what they'd want. You you can make a lot. I like to see this. For example, I would love to see the Ellis Act repealed and turn into a program where tenants have a right to purchase, right to first purchase, and turn mm-hmm. into a community land trust. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. 
I mean, I think it's a heavy ask, and it's un- probably unreasonable to think that there's any chance the Casa Compact would incorporate something that yeah, but extreme. I mean, it's, passing, it's going lo- it's going around locally, right? They have Copa in San Francisco going yeah. around. Uh, there was some talk about it in. Um, where was this? San Mateo. Well, no, it was in San Mateo County, but I don't remember what city. And then San Jose and Mountain View are looking at it as well. Yeah. Um, so I think there's 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 some you know uh, yeah. uh, ground swells of it. But I think like thinking about the compact and thinking about those groups, those like the the tenant the tenant and advocacy groups. Um, I think more than anybody else in the compact, they understand that we are still working on improvements, right? Yeah. As opposed to there are a lot of groups not on the tenant side. Who are thinking about this as their mission is to like you know kill it right kill yes. the entire thing and I think we still like we still need to understand that like this compact has to move together right that there is an um, interlocking of incentives and an interlocking of uh, interests in the compact that need to balance each other out in order for anyone's objective. Uh, to be realized. So uh, the tenant protections won't move without the production asks. The production asks won't move without the tenant protections. Yes. So my question for you is, uh, like Urban Habitat, in their letter made some concerns in saying, how can we be sure that people won't look at the Casa Compact and say, oh, we'll take the part that... that's the part that's that's the part that's happening now. (laughs) Like, well, how do you make sure they work in lockstep? Like, what are the mechanisms? Well, that's the... (laughs) That's that's one of the uh, I think that's one of the questions that, yeah, are, that okay. are still out there, so it's, and, it's, which is why they should be asking those questions. Certainly, which yeah. is why they should be pushing for it from the outside, right? Like, yeah. I think you know. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, editorialize here, but I think it's very important to understand that. Like, I think what Urban Habitat is doing, I think what Tenants Together um, is doing, is essentially holding people um, or, or keeping people holding people accountable and keeping people honest, right? They said that they would support this. They need to make sure that they actually support it and they support the best version of it as well. And not like they're not they're not um watering down what was approved at the um um at uh at the committees. Yeah, and I think I think you know for us to be in the mid peninsula, I think we might have a weird kind of perspective on any change is good change. So yes. I'm I'm very i have the i have to watch myself i have the tendency to grovel and say oh any change it's got to be good rubber stamp it and i i'd say if i need to like realize and keep myself active if you're an sf you're not going to make something that has any danger unless you actually because they're already in a better position than we are so yeah i mean it's you know it's a really difficult needle to thread right because you've got i mean so you've got the three big cities, you've got Oakland, San Jose, San Francisco, which have at least some form of eviction and, and rent control policies, right? Yeah. Um, they have more renters and they have more powerful renters in a political sense. Yes. And then you've got the rest of the Bay Area. Um, I mean, and then that, you've got the rest of the Bay yeah, Area. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and that's the reality, right? Like for, you know, so for me, when I'm looking at the compact, um, I'm thinking, okay, and you're so, coming from a San Mateo perspective. I'm coming. I'm coming from a perspective of we got our asses handed to us two years ago, <laughs> yeah. despite an incredible outpouring of support and outreach and work. Um, the people in Pacifica, same thing. The people in uh, Burlingame, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything. Rosa, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's, everything. And just that look at everyone who didn't even start because they know they're going to get their ass handed to them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know the 
the reality on the ground in San Mateo County and a lot of other counties in the Bay Area. Um, so Monument Impact in, I think it's Concord. Concord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also worked on the compact on the ground level. Um, and is and I know is still very much in favor. You've you've got tenants and and tenants groups in places that don't have any form of rent control that are going. We've been fighting for these very minimal policies for years and haven't gained any traction. And to mm-hmm. us, this looks like, you know, this looks amazing. Yeah, um, the I mean, reality. It's the first, first step forward, anyway. I think I think the the question and the worry for a lot of folks have been that this will be. Um, this will have two impacts. Like one impact would be that it could lead to watering down what's already been uh, won in some cities, right? Like let's say that the statewide just cause ordinance ends up creating a standard that is like, you know, weaker than what's in Berkeley or in San Francisco. And then it, you know, weakens support for it. I I don't, you know, I mean, I, I hear it and I understand it, but I'm not so worried about that part. I think the other part, which is somewhat, uh, legitimate, which is that it could kill any upswell of tenant organizing in certain locations sure. that have been organizing for a long time with the process, you know, using like uh, where, just cause or like where, where are we taking up I mean, about? you know, I'm thinking like uh, Sunnyvale, uh, uh, Santa Cruz, um, you know, Redwood City or whatever other cities that have been trying to like at least, you know, get people organized. Uh, if you no longer have like a big, you know, overarching goal, it gets a, you know, obviously it gets a little harder. However, there's a bit of a trade-off here, which is that yes. people are getting, to, you know, <laughs> is that right now. In order, <laughs> in know? order to have that movement, you also need those people not to be evicted, which in, in just cause, yeah. yeah, in in the first place. And you can always, as a thing, like this is going to be a rent gouging. Uh, cap, right? It's going to create some protection at the absolute edge, right? Yes. But if you want to pass something stronger, you still can, you know? Like, yeah. there's no preemption for for stronger um, uh, tenant protections locally. I mean, speaking as someone who is, you know, uh, in the Sunnyvale Tenants Union, I can say that I think that we understand that the best and way to control our destiny is to is to make things happen in our own backyard mm-hmm. but we also realize it's incredibly tough to make anything happen in a place like Sunnyvale mm-hmm. and i think that if to say like realistically yeah. do we depend upon sacramento to make tenants lives better across everywhere and i think Honestly, I think that's the most pragmatic way forward I mean, for all class it is stuff. One, it is one strategy, right? You know, to to quote two theorists of another of another generation, you know, this is the question of do we organize in one country or do we continue the permanent organizing of uh, for 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 more regional um, changes? And uh, you know, I think you can organize in in, in one city. And at the same time, still be pushing for, you know, some 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 permanent organizing regionally as well. Absolutely. And I think that's something that you could say that, yeah, I think making sure that there isn't uh, a dichotomy or conflict between the two, I think is incredibly important for local tenancy, tenant advocates. So let's talk more about, I guess, maybe the other side of, of the opposition to this, which is more of the people who already are the haves. Uh, and people who, already have. Yes. <laughs> but there, and there's different things, too, because let's talk about like to just name a few people. You have kind of the small entrenched, uh, you know, nimbyish cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the CAA, the Apartment Association. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You have things like realtors. And I mean, you could say in a lot of senses if you're a tenant, the, you know, kind of, you know, the cities being your enemy and the CA being your enemy, you could 
See, but they have very different things in mind. Oh, absolutely. They are no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, so let me get this right. The CAA has actually come down against Casa after being part of this, this, they like inviting them in the first place. Like, what are you hoping? It's like, oh, CAA, please, we need you. You know, we can't get California support without the CAA, who everyone loves. And then, like, afterwards, they like say, like, this isn't good enough for us. Is that what happened? Mm, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I okay. Think if you watched the meeting videos, um, I think the CAA would bring specific concerns about the the tenant protections sure um their concerns were sometimes you know reasonable in the sense that they were actually something that is something that you could include in a proposal even though i don't agree with it uh you know like they wanted to means test they wanted to have um you know a more a lower um requirement for uh having to prove nuisance or criminal activity you know things that you would think of as like what a normal lobby group a reasonable like lobby group would would try to do to make sure that it's something uh to reach a compromise and then they also would show up with um proposals or comments that were you know um, and this is a technical term, crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, they would show up and essentially argue that to make a landlord uh, um, give a reason for uh, trying to evict a tenant is like tantamount to having that landlord, you know, put a like a target on their back or something because their their crazy criminal tenants would go after them, and it's just it would and they would come in with like you know dog whistle kind of descriptions of tenants, and it was you know it was it was just, it was tough you know it was tough to deal with them, but they were part of the process all the way through. And then decided to essentially, you know, um, turn turn against it. So I'm glad, glad they spoke their mind at least. Uh, I mean, I guess if you talk Are about we, though, <laughs> not, not, no, not, not really. really. <laughs> there were, I mean, I don't know. They were in a very helpful presence, in my opinion. But it's, it's like if you talk about like shocked to hear that. Uh, I know, right? We're talking about like I mean, there's a power dynamic. We're talking about tenants, and you have orgs which are hardliners for tenant interests. The CAA is a hardliner for landlord interests. And you talk about all landlords, they're not, you know, they're not all the same. They some are worse, some are better mm-hmm. as far as it goes. But the CAA tries they represent landlord interests in the abstract mm-hmm. and they try to find the hard line the hard yeah. line on everything. I mean, to 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 bring it back to like another uh so, somewhat extremist movement, um, I sometimes think of them as the provisional CAA. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to the official CAA. Uh, sure. <laughs> because like they seem to have like gone off the deep end uh, in some cases. After dropping a hundred million dollars on Prop Ten, I think they've just realized that like they have infinite amounts of resources in order to be able to crush uh, tenants around the around they around the, around they the state. are the CAA is the NRA of the housing world. <laughs> I mean, I mean, NRA is and a, I'm going a, to say that. Yeah, like, that's that's just what they are. They are yeah. that fanatical. I mean, yeah. and you look at like the NRA as an example of if they used to be, oh, we're a bunch of people who like to hunt deer. Let's just have reasonable rights for our rifles. Like, 
that they get eaten alive. But if they, if they start going crazier and crazier and crazier, saying if you don't give a handgun to a baby, it's you take away our liberty. Like they win. Like in uh, the CIA, the same way, there is no reason not to stake out a hardline crazy position. And I mm-hmm. think we're seeing yeah. more and more of this. And it's yeah, absolutely. Know. I mean, you see yeah, that the from have, have like completely gone off. Yes. You know, um, if they used to be a reasonable group of people, I don't, I don't know where in they any were, recent though. period of time <laughs> that hasn't been the case. Yeah. I mean, it depends who you compare them to because if you're comparing them to like say uh the realtor groups then then maybe because the realtor like I, on, I never, in scale of yeah. in scale of like how awful a particular special interest group is you've got you know uh the realtors, and then I feel like it's the CAA. I don't know. I the feel realtors... like it's reverse for me. Like, I think oh, the really? CAA is absolutely worse than the realtors. Okay, interesting. Even though, in a weird way, I feel like, I, even though, in a weird way, the realtors have probably hurt California more than the CAA has, the current... You know the current iteration of the CAA versus the, uh, the it's the CRA. literal worst, and then yeah. it's the okay. But as opposed to like cumulative impact, this the the CRA has had a worse cumulative impact on California through the 14 million expansions of Prop 13 um, over the last 40 years. So. Would, would it be would it be right to say that the CAA is more lawful evil and the realtors are more chaotic evil? <laughs> I, I mean, think <laughs> I think that would be a good characterization because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. That would, no, I think that would be a good characterization. I yeah. come at it from, I mean, just just local dealing with, and I think part of this too, uh, Asen, is that um, I do feel like uh, Silvar, the you know the South Bay Silicon mm-hmm. Valley realtors, are somewhat more hinged than mm-hmm. uh, Sam Carr, which is the San Mateo County realtors. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I, I think I think Sam Carr is really just more unhinged than than any of the other groups in the area. Yeah, uh, I don't with know. The, the, with the, the things that they put out. Yeah, because Like I, the the Redwood City relocation ordinance that passed last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's weak. It's definitely a weak ordinance, but the CAA didn't oppose it. Uh, wow. Sam Carr still opposed it. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I think you made it. Yeah, I think you might San Mateo County is like a special... <laughs> yeah, I think you, you have a worse... It's really... I, fr- we do. I don't know which like circle of Dante's Inferno you would consider San Mateo County to be, but mm-hmm. I don't know. So let's talk about another kind of different way you approach it. And you could talk about the awful, petty, NIMBY city governments and livable California, which are essentially the same thing. And I think they're actually a little bit I I would disagree <laughs> with you different. there because they oh, okay. they yeah. have they do have different interests to to a certain extent. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is every city government, every council, the craziest people on them, they are all core members of California That's as a rule. That's true, but okay, is, so I'll give you an I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um let's take Los Altos. Please. Do we have to? Uh, okay. All right. I'll no, take I one mean, of your no, we, no, we should. No, we should take Los Altos. No, we should take <laughs> yeah. Los Altos because I remember, I think it's Anita and Ander mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is in Los Altos coming to the CASA meetings she and mm-hmm. trying very hard to- Newly elected. Because there was the 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 NIMBY ascendancy happened. Yes. I mean, in, she, in she was very- 2018. She was very clear- Anita was very clear in that she beat out their pro-housing mayor mm-hmm. um, when she was talking about CASA and and essentially lecturing MTC. She was very clear on the fact that, uh, you know, her constituents did not want more housing built, that they elected her to essentially ensure she built out she beat out their pro-housing mayor. Mm-hmm. And she did that because 
people in Los Altos did not want more housing built. To it's, which we say, yes, that is exactly the point of Casa. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be sure, to be clear, she's from Los Altos, not, not Los Altos Hills, right? Hold I, on, let me look it up because something I always I always screw the, that one up. Um, Los Altos Hills is the uh, you know the billionaires. Los Altos is the multi-millionaires. Is the mere is the mere <laughs> multi-millionaires? What's that, what's that line, Mark? I think it's from a Palo Alto paper that talks about you know billionaires being able to run roughshod over average millionaires <laughs> like me. That's real gentrification. That, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what you know. That's the that's the one that you want to make sure that you uh, you get right. But um, yeah, no. So basically, like the reason why I want to bring up Los Altos, I could pick any city that size. Uh, it's about thirty thousand people. So like fill in fill in the blank, right? Uh, your Menlo Parks, you know your um, what's that? What's the exclusionary suburb? Danville is that Danville? Yeah, yeah Danville yeah. could be considered there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your Danville's they're you know, they're they town uh, the town of Danville. Oh, I'm sure. so, so yeah. I'm so sorry. By the way, <laughs> many of these places don't call themselves cities. They yeah. call themselves towns. Uh, the town of Los Gatos, for yes. example, home yes. of tiny, small mom and pop shop uh, known as Netflix. You know, yeah, um, <laughs> that really tiny, tiny. These little tiny, yeah. tiny mom and pop businesses. I give Danville the the at least they're not in Silicon Valley. They're, yeah, they're yeah. they're in the other part of Silicon Valley. The I mean, other they have, job they market in East Bay. In, yeah, the yeah. other job market. They just have the the thing I love about the East Bay tech businesses are they're always the one business that's been around for fifteen years or ten years, and that's like does just the most basic stuff on the internet, and nobody cares about them. But they're still around. Yep, they're doing their like work. People day, forget, but you they, know. <laughs> they still they're still plodding along. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Los Altos. Town of thirty thousand, uh, you know, beautiful. I mean, it's a you know, it, it's it's an objectively beautiful place, absolutely. And it's part a, of the it's a fun why, place to walk around, which absolutely. is unusual for Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> objectively beautiful place, and they have a lot of money from the fact that they have like very high value housing and stuff like that. But, and this is where there's a split between them and um, uh, livable California. They're more worried about what's going to happen to their tax base and their uh, infrastructure and their resources than they are worried about pure zoning growth stuff. And so what you'll find at a lot of the meetings is that a lot of the people who represent those cities will be complaining about the tax, the, the, the regional entity They'll be uh, concerned about the funding, the funding mechanisms, yeah. way more than they would be there to talk about, you know, the transit, the blah blah blah. Right? That's no. more livable. Livable California <laughs> sure. is, is the pure id. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's an aesthetic complaint as opposed to a financial complaint, which is what you'll hear from a lot of the Los Altos types. And I think in Sunnyvale, the former mayor uh, and Republican, but like the kind of small C fiscal dollars and cents small towns. You know, I mean, he's actually. He's much more of actually just a realist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Glenn Hendricks, he was he was making some comments on uh, Casa, and he was saying, you know, in the past, it's been very hard to work with MTC. We want to have independence in running our city. We are very concerned with the revenue sharing, or we're concerned that this is going to be slurped up by uh, by San Jose, which is the most preferred city in in Santa Clara County. And I, I think, for a large extent, he's probably not wrong. If you want if you want to run a Sunnyvale-sized city, reasonably and fiscally prudently, like the way they have for decades, and not ask 
and I'm, and let's be clear. Yeah. And to artificially subsidize the property taxes of your yes. residents currently. Yes. This is obviously the that unsaid is, part of this, that which is, is the that the reason thing, why yeah. they're well, so worried about this is because they've never had to go to their voters and actually ask for money for resources to help support their infrastructure yes. and their fire departments and their police departments because they have been able to tap all of the job growth in order to pay for all of that. Yeah. Now, cities like San Jose that have actually been housing people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I've mean, when to, we you know? when we talk about, uh, I I'm trying to remember the phrase you just used, Mark, but essentially the the idea that these cities have been that are they've been prudent and they've been thoughtful, they've been reasonable within the assumptions that we've had for decades. Yes, yes. I mean, it's within it's within those assumptions, right? Like yeah. you have to you have to you know sort of clarify between. Sure, they've been, you know, fiscally prudent with respect to, you know, the amount of office space that they've been built in in regard to being able to apply that money to services. But in reality, it's just kicking the can down the road, right, and making it someone else's problem. Um, there's a great uh, – actually, one of the things that I mentioned in uh, – particularly in one of the ABAG hearings was – I think it was at the ABAG meeting – uh, there's a previous director of ABAG, uh, a guy named uh, Greg Brady, and he said this. Uh, he during during this conference uh, a while back, he granted several peninsula cities with the quote, "It's someone else's problem" award for increasing the number of jobs without providing any extra housing. <laughs> he did that in 1990. Wow. So when you look back at, um, I'm a history nerd, and when you look back at what we've been doing for decades, it's the same thing that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It's it's the proverbial can being kicked down the road, and we've just been doing that. So over when and we over again. exactly for for decades, um, we've known what we've known that this is a problem. Uh, local governments have known that this is a problem. They've known that this isn't a practical solution, um, and they've continued with it because. Either they're either unable to or unwilling to confront um, the forces that they need to confront to make a, to ensure lasting solutions. Yeah, because job tax revenue is a hell of a drug. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just can't. Like, yeah, that's... like inject that you know office tax fee straight into my city veins, and and I think if you look at this, does even the most radical proposal in CASA touch the fact that we have value capture by landowners and it doesn't actually go into sustainable, you know, fiscal infrastructure in cities. No, it doesn't, but it does do some things. For the revenue sharing, for example, it does address the fact that we have a kind of throw it over the fence problem mm-hmm. in yes. all of our cities. And that in no small way is one of the major problems in the areas where we have all these these warring little cities. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think, yeah, the money, the money raising and the money sharing, but also the sharing of planning resources as well. Now this goes back to this. Um, and I always say this, you could probably have grow more housing by having more duplexes than you can by building six story buildings, um, in, in major corridors or transit corridors. And a few cities across America are now doing that in Vancouver too. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's this exact same thing with the housing growth, uh, throughout the Bay area. Now, of course there's a sprawl argument and there's an environmentalism argument about whether or not it makes sense for more people to live in Danville or whatever. But the idea that Danville goes from, you know, whatever it is, 30,000 now to 32,000, 
but there are there are there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Danvilles, right? Yeah. And there's only one. There's San Jose only one Dan Mill in and my one heart. in Oakland, and one in San Francisco, right? How dare and so you! So I think Dan we Mill need again. to have like marginal growth in every place in the Bay Area, and I think Casa the 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 Casa Compact helps actually make that happen to where places where I I don't just mean there was small growth. I mean none, 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 zero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes negative growth in some places. Yes. Right. At the same time as like massive job booms. Right. And, so. And I think here's the thing when when you're saying livable California, they are the extreme ZPG type people who are just we need to preserve, you know, our way of life, you know, and they're they're they have this extreme aesthetic vision. And it's just it's wild. But the default for most of these cities, even if you aren't part of this crazy group, you still say, oh, yeah, we want thoughtful growth. We want mm-hmm. a reasonable growth, which means smart growth, smart growth, which means pretty much close to zero balanced, growth, balanced growth. You know, and I, th- I think honestly, you it's could the s- centrist position. It's the it's the middle of the road, mm-hmm. milk toast centrist position that means nothing in practicality. And I think because you got to preserve <laughs> livability. You yeah. Know? What do you want to do? Do like we moved to California. You know, because we wanted a really nice place to live and beautiful outdoors and place to raise our family. We started this. We don't just home. want little luxury condos and <laughs> towers. You know. And by the way, if I wanted those things, I would move to San Francisco, exactly. as I as I have been told by people on my planning commission. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like the like the the motto or like the the ethos of livable California is that we must preserve. Uh, California civilization and a future for cars, you know, <laughs> basically, like they are very much like a group that is um, um, car centric, car centric, but, but like very much uh, uh, dedicated to the proposition that uh, the future will not happen. Yeah. Right. And I think there, you know, just a just a death denying aspect to to the to to them. And I've, I don't know if you've ever seen them in person. Yes. But it's it's like the gray wolves, you know, it's, it's like a, people it's who a, aren't going to be around <laughs> to deal with the consequences of, this, of our. You know? It's like that. Was, that's probably the worst part is like you're not going to be around for like the worst parts of this, you know. <laughs> yes. And I mean, as far as so one of the costume meetings I went to was the Santa Clara City association and this was like it was like a uh, like a marvel movie you know all-star team it was like everybody from all the city councils and most this of them the most ambitious crossover in history. Oh, absolutely i mean it was it was from i was palo alto yeah from palo alto we had lydia Koo. we had uh it was du bois there liz niss who's kind of we have people from across the spectrum but we did have every like major liberal california person from ling chow steve scharf uh michael goldman just mm-hmm. it's just it was all in one house sitting next to each other. It was so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, uh, but a veritable who's who. <laughs> it's a murderer's row uh, of the, <laughs> and it the was, 1927 Yankees of NIMBYs. And it was funny because they, they all like laugh at everything. I'm just saying it's like, oh, you want you want change? You know, are you going to deal with? Traffic and they all start laughing at once, like it's the funniest Schools? thing. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just like it's the like sometimes you look at them and you're like, like I, I don't worry whether or not they sleep at night because like, the thing is, like, no. Like, no, the truth is like I think that in their internal logic, they believe they are correct because they believe that the housing that is getting built 
is not actually for normal people. They think that the housing that's being built is for like, you know, uh, brain dead automaton tech workers who are single. And according to a, a, a new planning commissioner in Cupertino, also dens of, of <laughs> oh. crime and licentiousness. Oh, but, kitty more. <laughs> but no, and I think it's a good point too. It's like they, it's it's consistent. They believe that the way you live is the bare minimum. I mean, like, seriously, it's like, is you need a nice suburban house. And when it runs out, you know, your children, they move an hour away and get a nice suburban house. And their children will move an hour away and get a nice suburban house. Like, it's like, we well, can I mean, sprawl forever. And they feel like... Stephen Scharf. Yeah. New mayor of Cupertino. And I hate saying that, but new mayor of Cupertino, when he explained that, like, you know, he, you know, this is a nice suburban community with some nice houses and people want to be able to drive five minutes to their grocery store, that his daughter lives in Oakland. And that's all she can afford right now. And that's normal because, you know, I had to work hard to buy my at the time, two hundred thousand dollar house that's now worth two and a half million dollars. But you know, like yeah. that's There's... normal. That's just the way it is, you know. And I think these people, like, they just don't, they don't, they don't care. I guess it's. You know? I, I do. I do think there's a big aspect of that. I really. I think there's this just mental block when it comes to because you have people who have told them I've had this conversation maybe a million times mm-hmm. with with different people in in my city and and in other cities um and this aspect of you know I worked very hard thus you just have to work hard mm-hmm. and there's no acknowledgement whatsoever even when it's brought up um of the systemic differences between now versus then yeah they don't understand that the scale is the conditions that they have pursued over decades have led to you know where we are right now possible situation where the scale is absolutely different but there's Uh, also there's also no idea of like dynamics of anything should ever change ever i I mean I, i michael goldman of liberal california i had a nice conversation with him on the show and like the idea i don't believe that Oh, it's, I, I heard the episode. It's, it's, it actually was like was a little. It? it was a little weird because okay. actually, it's a, 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 a bizarre it was, world. I kind of was hoping to be weirder. Weird, yeah, in some basically, ways. like just think if like Bernie Sanders moved to the Bay Area instead of Vermont. Oh God! I swear, it is it's very much like kind of like weird, kind of like you know, it's basically that. It's like you know, anyway. if Bernie moved to. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But so the, but the thing is like saying like, you know, if you imagine that when you have a suburb, it should never become denser. Just imagine that's your thing. It's like, how do we ever get dense cities? And like if anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world should ever densify, it's where a plot of land is worth millions and millions of dollars. It's not going to densify in the middle of the Great Plains. This is the ground central for where everything is saying, look at the human suffering, look at the people commuting, look at the demand for people to live in this area. And people are saying, it's like, no, I'm pretty sure that suburbs should always stay at the same density forever. Well, and it's like, okay, so what, what exactly, what authority is granted to you that gets to make you the arbiter of of density and how a suburb should grow because like let's look at the suburbs none of these places started off as suburbs they all started off mm-hmm. as you know country estates for people in San Francisco so i've had this conversation in San Mateo before where i've said like you know i get that you don't want there to be more density i get that you don't want there to be more housing but what if alfonso burrell who you know, had his country estate in San Mateo in the 1890s, uh, 
just wanted to keep that his thing forever, you wouldn't be here. Um, you know, and the, yeah, and or the this, Foster family decided, like, yeah, literally, what if T. Jack Foster, Foster just you know <laughs> kept Foster City to what his plan was to build for like ten people, and that was it. And you know, exactly, it's you know? it's a it's it's this it's, it's it doesn't logically follow to any kind of reasonable point. Well, what it is at heart is feudalism. It's the idea that if you actually control the physical ownership of the land, you control pretty much everything politically about it forever, and there's really no coherent way to change this. It just passes along from landowner to landowner forever. And yes. this is what we see in practice. Yes. So it's pretty wild. Uh, so I think we have a lot of tangent of the fact that, uh, yeah, bipartisan bipartisan support for CASA, and we want to make sure we get these people on the table. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the livable California people? I think, I think we can definitely find- I think a, we can uh, find some, some common ground. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think they really, really want to have more tenant protections. They want to make sure that we're you know, preserving a lot of the existing housing. These folks- That's things. Those that's are some things they, they really, truly, truly deeply care, care about. about. Yeah. They really care about affordable housing. Right yes, up until list- someone proposes an affordable housing product, uh, yes. project in their city. Yes. <laughs> like at that point, then, uh, you know. Especially if it's anywhere close to them. Um, yeah. I just, I feel by like. God. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was, I was actually, I, I heard uh, recently some, some, some research about basically um, the way to message uh, things to certain audiences and that one of the most effective things that you can do actually isn't to try to find um, things that you can get everyone around, um, but rather to try to find things that, you know, your, your base agrees with 100%, uh, but passively. Uh, and then your sort of middle folks are like kind of wishy-washy about, but that your opponents hate, and I mean hate strongly. Okay, it sounds like modern and, politics. Yeah, yeah. and just yes. like hit that. Yeah, just hard. Uh, and so now I feel like I'm gonna take a slightly different tack um, in my uh, in my interactions with some of those folks. You know, with the livable California people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to be. I used to try to at least like rationalize their um, and. Uh, you know, their incentives because I think to myself, like, if I had, you know, if I had a house, you know, and I've been, it's been taking me 10 minutes to do errands and, you know, I just really like my neighbors and my community, you know, maybe I'd be a little pissed off about all, of, you know, all of this. And, you know, I didn't like, I didn't approve, you know, Apple or Google or whatever. I'm just a resident. Like, I could kind of sort of understand that. But I think now I'm just like, no, man. <laughs> no. I mean, the the average... I, so I do understand it for... Okay, I'll, let me frame it in this way. I do, I do have a certain understanding of the average suburban boomer homeowner concern uh, because most of them, most of them are my neighbors. I mean, I, I you know, live... Uh, and then in the area that I grew up in, and and so I still know a lot of these people. They're frankly my parents' friends, mm-hmm. uh, are a big contingent of this. Um, thankfully, my parents come down on on the right side of uh, growth and density. I think largely due to proximity to me. Um, but essentially, you have a lot of people who were promised something. Oh, yeah. You have this promise of the American dream of a white picket fence and a house in the suburbs and a Chevy Suburban. And 
now they're being told that this dream that they were promised their entire lives, uh, you know, isn't sustainable and it's not real. And they have to change at, you know, age 60, age 65, age 70. And they're set in their ways and they don't want to change. This is what was promised to them. And, you know, why why should I have to, you know, change my lifestyle? Um why should I have to change from what I was promised? And so I, I, in a certain respect, sympathize that with that, but also like the world is on fire and um, literally like parts of California have been repeatedly on fire over the last couple of years. When you look at uh, housing and density and how that, uh, you know, factors in with climate change and, um, you know, the way we need to live moving forward, it's it's categorically the direction that we need to move in. And so while I have that sympathy for those people who were promised something, mm -hmm. um, lots of people are made promises that, that don't turn out to be true. Yeah. If you are a NIMBY, I think it's almost impossible for you to rationally do anything about it, right? Like if you're of that class, it's, I mean, you would have to actually literally go against every single potential incentive that you have. I mean, you could blow up your life and then say, oh, I'm selling my house and I'm going to start you know, renting, but boy, no one's going to do that. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, I mean, I, I, I would say if you want to get that guilt that you should be experiencing off your chest, you should. That's what I'd say yeah, to everybody. I, mean, I, but... I, guess, you know, I guess in a lot of ways, like uh, Stephen Scharf is a rational actor. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. maybe the most rational. For his own rationality, <laughs> yeah, yes. He is, he is a rational actor. Now, for the rest of us, unfortunately, we have to think Live about with it. Stephen Scharf's rationality. <laughs> exactly. But, so let's look at like the grand, you know, the grand bargain of something like Casa is... I, in the end, for real change to happen, it in no small way will also consist of a transfer from the haves to the have-nots. I don't think there's any real change that you could say is just win-win. If you could say it's things like you know, landlords giving up their rights to do whatever they want, it's people's communities staying with a suburban character indefinitely. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there are so many things, and it's cities to run their cities the way they want to as opposed to being part of a regional uh, entity. And, I think, yeah. I think I think it's I think yes, but I I guess I'm thinking about it less as a transfer and I more as someone who is hoarding less. So if you think about it as like here are a bunch of people at a table and there's like communal food in the middle, right? And then there are some people who, for a variety of laws and reasons and histories and race, have been able to essentially hog all the food and then charge others for and their charge scraps. others for the scraps. And those people have names like Palo Alto and Los Altos <laughs> and then the Park and Danville. <laughs> exactly. And so I think what Casa does, or this is one of the first steps towards doing, uh, along with a lot of other like you know uh, uh, working class and tenant led uh, movements, is saying that you're going to get your fair share. You just can't take all of the food anymore. <laughs> yes, we just we just have a difference of opinion on what fair share means. <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. You know. Like is... we're not actually taking your food away from you. We're saying that the 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 we everyone is gonna get a fair amount of food. You shouldn't have you had, had this too much, much food. food. <laughs> this is this is like literally an analogy Henry George wrote in one of his things. We're saying it's a banquet, you know, that we are we are in you know forcing people to kind of like rush and hoard as much food as they can right as they start mm -hmm. because you know that's that's, that's what land ownership is in <laughs> yeah. no small way. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, in, you look at a lot of ways you can kind of 
place people head to head against, you know, the Mountain View NIMBYs. You have Google because Google wants housing for its employees. So it's kind of to face off collective billionaire wealth of all these homeowners. You have the billionaire wealth of a of of, of employee. But we also need to tax them, and they're going to try to fight that. But we're gonna, we're going to tax the crap out of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I mean, I I just wonder, like, how effective do you think this has been to have a lot of people like. I don't know if I trust all these developers and, you know, tech companies to represent interests of change. But I think that's what I mean. I think that's what the next part of CASA is about. That's what the implementation is going to be about. It's about holding everyone accountable to the commitments that they've made. Right. If Google, for example, which has been part of the process, um, can, you know, decides to get involved and support the project um, and. You know, at some point, somebody's going to say, hey, uh, Google, you're probably one of the biggest employers in the entire uh, region. Uh, We're going to put up a head tax. And then Google starts funding a uh, pack. Uh, to try to kill the head tax, I think we're going to have some problems, right? Yeah. Because like, I think that's part of it, right? Like, How do we hold everyone accountable to the decisions and the participation that they've had in the process so far? And I think that's going to be the question going forward. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. And I, the next phase of CASA is, is absolutely going to be holding people's feet to the fire. People from many different groups made promises and uh, staked out positions that they would be there in certain respects uh, for certain things. And now is when we're going to see whether those promises will actually come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I do think, uh, I mean, we we're talking a little bit, you know, just now about um, different groups and the different coalitions that form. And that's, that's going to be a, an important part of this too. Um, you know, Google and the other tech firms do want to see housing built, um, but... A lot of this boils down to each group wants to see things happen on their own terms. Mm-hmm. And that's very much true for the for the tech companies, too. Um, there's the recent conference for it's like the plan to save the Bay Area. It's not it's not Casa, but it's the it's the five hundred million yeah, dollar. Yeah. Contrib- yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the five hundred million dollar contribution via via various different uh, nonprofits and companies, et cetera. And at that forum. Uh, there was mention of, you know, I forget who mentioned it, but the fact that the reality is there are going to be taxes that like the most effective form uh, of, you know, income of uh, income gathering for preserving housing, for protection, et cetera, is going to be via taxes on some of these companies. And I think it was uh, Marissa Kendall, who's a housing reporter for the Mercury News, who's doing this live tweet stream, reported that when uh, when taxes on tech companies were brought up as a funding mechanism, the panel all agreed, and like no one in the room like clapped for that. So I think it's going to come down to you know you can you can say that you want to solve these crises, mm-hmm. but where the rubber is going to meet the road is essentially when people say, okay, this is what we need to do to meet the meet the goals of of solving the crisis and when that you know may financially affect whichever group when that may come to you know self-sacrifice um in a certain sense whether people will actually commit to that 
Yeah, and I think that's like the big difference between the charity model and the justice model. Yes. And the charity model is, you know, I have earned, you know, $100 from the surplus value of someone else's labor. Therefore, I should give back a little bit, a couple bucks, I think, versus the justice uh, model, which is that, you know, someone has earned, you know, $100 uh, worth of surplus value off somebody else's labor. Um, they should give back X amount, which is obviously much higher than that person was probably willing to give voluntarily. But I think that's part of it, right? Like, I think we're going to have to, like, confront the fact that a lot of people are probably not going to be happy about the fact that in order to be able to have a just compact, there are going to be some forcing mechanisms. We'll see how it goes. There's not a whole lot of language in the Casa Compact as written of saying anyone has ever done any wrong in the past. It's very blameless. I mean, I think that's part of it too, right? Yeah. Like, I think part of the problem statement is that the housing crisis has um, no father, you know, no mother. There's no there there are no reasons for how any of this happened. There is only a shortage. Right. Like, because the truth is, you know, if they were to name the the people who <laughs> the causes, uh, you know, it would make it a lot harder to have more people show up at the table. So, yeah. Well, and then I think in a certain respect, um, you know, the complaints, it was sort of interesting to me because the complaints of the smaller cities, the cities that aren't San Francisco and Oakland and San Jose, the complaints were essentially that they weren't involved, that they don't you know, that they didn't have a stake in the discussions. They weren't really on the committees. Mm-hmm. Um, and By and, the and, way, they were. Let me just, you know, they there are 101 cities in the Bay Area. And you can't involve every single one. Yeah, yeah so there ab- were small cities there. They yeah, just yeah, were not probably the small cities that they thought would have preferred have been there. But, you know. Um, sort of my point was, and this is more to the Palo Altos and the Los Altoses of the region, um, is that in not inviting those actors, they sort of were tacitly uh, acknowledging who was responsible for the crisis. I think so. Um, it's, it's like, you know, you had Los Altos and Palo Alto and all these other exclusionary cities going up uh, to the dais at the ABAG and the MTC meetings and saying, hey, what the hell? We weren't included. Why weren't we included? Um, they were and telling on themselves. And it's like, <laughs> look in a mirror. It's like, do you really not understand why you weren't included? Why would you include the people who are the cause of the problem? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, they're telling on themselves. You shot us in the foot. There some... Why would we include you in the discussion about, you know, yeah, was... how to move forward? Which here. I'll say, like, I mean, as much as I believe that, like, CAA and the realtors are so amoral and venal to be completely, you know, I just worthy of condemnation they aren't i think just so 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 counterproductive and just completely guilty as the paul altos are oh absolutely you yeah. mean the caa yeah i mean oh, I, I think they are i mean they're they're I a, absolutely think they're they amoral in a way that paul alto i think has a distinct ideology oh yeah that's true i think that there is a difference between like i think the caa understands what it, you know they know what they're doing you know not to quote they're just Marco they're Rubio, just but like yeah. <laughs> they're a greedy pool the of CAA money that wants exactly what they're doing yeah <laughs> but uh i mean unfortunately the way it's like it's, Palo Alto sometimes it feels like wait what's the problem i don't understand <laughs> 
What do you mean? I just want a nice city, <laughs> you know? With many parking garages. <laughs> okay. So when you go to like the ABAG meeting in SF, like what do you come away with? Just like what is the temperature of the room? How many people- It was hot. How many people <laughs> seem like- just, How many people hot. are like, you know, it's like, I realize this is imperfect, but this is a nice- compromise and i'm happy with this and how many people are like this is the worst document i've ever there seen were, i think there was a little bit of in the middle too okay. right where it was <laughs> yes. like here's like here's the thing right like what leverage do you have if you say you'll go long right like i mean i'm saying if you're trying to improve something what leverage do you have if you're like you know you know i got a couple of concerns but overall i think this is great we should move forward with it right like you need to be able to say that like hey you know me i represent this like this is i think was the tenants together sort of like um uh, approach which was like here are very specific concerns you know we think that these things should be addressed right yeah um and i there were but the the burn it down folks were were definitely there i gotta say not as spicy as the mtc i thought the no A-bag mtc meeting. was the real spicy one <laughs> that was that uh, was a bag was somewhat more yeah. measured i think because it went on so long yeah that's um, true the, yeah. The, the mtc one was with uh with this is slavery for land landowners yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> This is communism. Yeah, this is, yeah. That was the that was the one. The that plantation. Was... I mean, it was just uh, my yeah. my favorite Liang Chao quote, where she uh, where she says uh, that some cities don't need housing; they need jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Which, like, okay, if you're talking about like Oakland, yeah, sure. But we all know you're not talking about like that's no, not no, what you're talking about. You're talking about suburbs. Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're. We know, like that's the thing. Like their their dog whistles aren't even good. No, like, <laughs> they're not even dog whistles. <laughs> really, not even, I like, mean, subtle they're... anymore. No, you know? like you know. I mean, that's that's sort of the thing too, right? Is that yeah. you had for for a long time you had cities, you know, knowing that they weren't being responsible with housing and and job growth. And you had regional organizations essentially saying, you're not being responsible. And then you had cities coming back and saying, okay, we'll be responsible. I mean, it's essentially the Charlie Brown and Lucy yeah, holding you know, model. Yeah, uh, it's they, the Peanuts model of they, responsibility. They They're not even doing themselves. that anymore. Like, they cannot help themselves. This is the thing I'm, like, I'm starting to really, really fully understand from being at so many council meetings, which is that if you are one of the favorite cities— and here's the thing: like, not every city is, is favorite. Favorite in what sense? So you're so there's there's actually a, a, a huge difference in 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 the Bay Area. Um, I, okay, all right. Okay, I guess we're doing this. Um, we're so, doing it. So this the so there are tiny cities, right? Like one thousand people cities that are just like retiree cities and just like small towns. Actually, small towns. I mean, I don't mean you're like, talking about outside the Bay Area. In or, the Bay Area. Really? No, What's I an mean, example? Like uh, Pacifica, uh, La Honda. Um, you know. It's really uh, the designated census places like Pescadero or something. Yeah, yeah. There are some places like that. But so they, also they like tend to be remote small, for small. geographic reasons also. Remote, yes. yes. So there are no real, like, you're not going to find some tech company that has, like, some massive office out there, right? And, like, to be le- le- legitimately, you know, they do have some concerns about, like, growth or whatever, and that you can make an argument that, like, they can't afford a new school, like, for real. Like, you can make an argument. So there's that level of, of city. The next level of city, I think, is it's about 10,000 people, maybe up to 30,000 people, and it's a residential place, usually. They have some offices, right? But they are not a job center. 
uh, at least the way that you, one traditionally understands that to be true. Mm-hmm. But they are hardcore NIMBY cities with great schools, and they hate new 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 residents. And that's Danville, and that's Los Altos, and that's um, Burlingame. Like Burlingame, and what's that? Uh, what's the what's the place? Uh, what's that place over on um, uh, in Marin County? Uh, that's always, Novato. Uh, yeah, Novato, and like you know those cities. So that's so that's your classic then. And then you have your like your new city suburb, basically that is a massive job center, a massive residential center, um, and is usually one of the worst actors, right? Usually they're like the 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 just the poster children for terribleness, and that's Cupertino and Walnut Creek. And uh, um, what's the place that, what do you call it, is headquartered in, in, in the North Bay? Roner Park, right? Yep. Basically, you're talking about like your classic exclusionary suburb uh, 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 where it's there's residential, but there's sh- just a ton of jobs, right? A ton of jobs. And they won't let anybody into their city. Now, the next kind is your poor suburb that's also large. Generally, it doesn't have a lot of jobs, but it has jobs, right? And that's... Richmond and San Leandro and Gilroy. Uh, Milpitas is kind of on the line sometimes. I mean, it's a middle class suburb, but still, you know what I mean? It fluctuates, but it yeah. F- it fluctuates, but like you have those suburbs as well, right? Like, do you know what I mean? The, the tech sprawl never got to them, or like it just, it was always kind of a, its own thing, too. Yeah. Sonoma yeah. is also sometimes because it's a very working class city as well, but it's yeah. a suburb. But it's a working class suburb, and that's a lot where and you Pittsburgh, have Pittsburgh, Antioch, all those. Yeah. yeah, and that's where you have a lot of that residential resegregation actually happen, where people get kicked out of the cities, and then they end up in they end up in Antioch, and they end up Tracy, in, in now Tracy. even Merced, is, exactly yeah, yeah. right. So that's another level. Okay, so the final level, and this is this is the lodestar. This is who who I feel like we are actually fighting, truly. Like who is behind all of this? Which I'll just right? say offhand. Why not disincorporate every city you're about to say? But continue. Absolutely, by the way. <laughs> okay. I am so down <laughs> with that. All right. Um, they are known by city, they are known by the names of Sausalito. <laughs> <laughs> they are known by the names of Atherton and, um, and uh, Montesereno and Los Altos Hills. Um, they uh, usually are the homes of billionaires. Hundred millionaires. The average house costs twenty million dollars easily, right? What's the what's the name of the town that um that uh, uh Steph Curry moved to in the East Bay? Um, oh. it starts with an A. Is it Alamo? Alamo. Okay. It's just, I mean, literally a gated community, by the way. <laughs> Whoa, nice. <laughs> I mean, just like the name I, of the people. I mean, these are the places that are, um. Um, just the homes of plutocracy, right? But they can be in different flavors. Like Palo Alto has jobs, whereas Atherton is purely a residential kind of place. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually they don't have jobs, right? Like that's not the point of these these places. Like they're places for $25 million mansions, But if you can make the jobs pay for to subsidize the retirees, that really helps. Right. I mean, the jobs are essentially the servants that come in to, you know, Yeah. Mow while, their lawns and what we want to manicure their gardens. Yeah, and what we oh I forgot of the Richmond Daily City is one of those Richmonds by the way as well. Sure, think, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And so I think like when we're thinking about like where do we want to see like changes 
on the land use aspect. I think obviously the the Coops, the the Palo Alto, the Walnut Creek, the Danville, the San San Ramon is usually what we're thinking about, right? I'm assuming. Yes. While we hate Atherton and Los Altos Hills and 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 um, and uh, uh, Monte Sereno as much as we hate all of them, there's only so many people who can live in Sausalito. We should definitely make as many people live in Sausalito as possible. Monte Sereno is really like out of the way. I w- I'm sure anyone needs to live there. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I like that. It's very beautiful. Um, that's the other thing, too. Such beautiful places. I mean, just picturesque, right? Yeah. Like, ugh, I hate these people so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so anyway, like those places, yes, we should relax the land use in those places and have some apartments because, you know, they're obviously a lot of them have a lot of um, – Service classes, but they're tiny places. Yes. Uh, how big is Atherton? Like seriously, right? Too like, big, too very much. It has a it has a Caltrain. It has a Caltrain stop too. So oh. we should. <laughs> they're working on it. Don't worry. They're working on it. Yeah. But I think there is a. We need to focus on the places where we actually need to have actual. Um, housing growth because we have job growth there as well, right? Yes. And a very specific kind of job growth, and uh, you know. They know who they are. We we know they know who they are because they keep showing up to all the meetings. Exactly. I mean, all of these people have representatives that show up at every meeting going, you know, we shouldn't have to build more housing here. And, oh, by the way, let's overlook the fact that we built 5 million square feet of office space in the last, you know, mm-hmm. less than a decade. Yeah. Really? Like if Montessoreno had built a million square feet We'd be coming space, for them. We would totally be. I mean, they'd be right there in the sight lines, you know. But Except we wouldn't build transit to accommodate it. You know, it'd yeah, still be yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I mean, regionalism is never a panacea in itself, but really, if you try any sort of regionalism, it is going to make those places better than they are now. Because mm-hmm. it's it's hard for it to be more of a perfect storm of everything coming together to yeah. create these yes. incredibly, uh, you know, just unproductive communities. Uh, so, can I can I add one thing though? You may add one thing. Yeah, uh, I don't want to let. Uh, the uh, Oakland Hills, the west side of San Francisco, and the west side of San Jose off the hook here. They're basically a different city. Just saying, like, just because I was talking about the actual cities, I'm not letting off the suburbs in the city. Yes. <laughs> the, the city suburb. Is, yes. is the west side a suburb? This is an argument I was having online. This, uh, it's a complete suburb. Okay, it's a dense suburb. We all agree. It's totally I said it was an argument. We actually, everyone agrees. I, I always have to laugh whenever people in... Uh, on the peninsula, you know, say, you know, if you if you want that kind of living, go to San Francisco. Yeah. And I'm like, is your vision of like, have you only ever been to the financial district? Like, Absolutely. is that I mean, I don't you know, think these people have ever been. To like, Glen have Park. you never been to the sunset? Have you never been to Glen Park? Have you never like, come on. Yeah. The west side of San Jose is just I mean, it's a massive suburb, yes. right? Uh, the yes. Oakland Hills are actual suburbs that got forced into Oakland. I mean, there were some holdouts, you know, but they're the names of like you're like, welcome to Rockridge, and at the, for a while there, I was like, I thought Rockridge was a city. I was like, no, no, you're wait. You're this in is actually Oakland. <laughs> this is Oakland. this is actually well, it was spe- Oakland. It had special racial covenants, and that's what made it. That's what made it special. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I think we're just wrapping up here. So, what are what are final takeaways on? I guess what do you think people should respond to when they think of all the drama of Casa? And I guess mm-hmm. what should they? What's a productive thing to kind of? <laughs> to consider it. I mean, I think if you want, if you if you care about something, if you want something, especially if it's something that's like justice focused and social justice focused as part of the Casa Compact, um, you actually have to fight for it. 
right? Like at this point, this is exactly like we are at the organized stage, right? You have to actually have to organize for these things and you can organize locally, go and find plug in with groups that are working on this stuff. But the most effective thing that you could probably be, be doing right now is figuring out like who in the state legislature is representing my interests and what can I say to them in order to make them um, sort of move on some of these or even just hold the line on some of these because they're going to get, you know, like the CAA is going to be out there. You know, the provisional CA is going to be out there. So. No, there's going there's going to be pushback. And, and they're already I mean, we didn't really talk about this aspect of it, but there's already been, you know, pushback uh, to a certain extent. Um, Jake McKenzie, who uh, is the chair of MTC, uh, you know, lost oh, had a revolt. Yeah. I mean, there there was a there was, there a, was a revolt against Jake in, McKenzie. in the North Bay against Jake McKenzie. He yeah. lost his seat on a couple different boards. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so the North Bay was powerful enough to make the change themselves. No, he was in. He was. He's a councilman in um, in Roanoke Park. Oh, okay. And uh, they the the council itself like they picked their representatives to go and represent oh, the city yeah. in or the the region in in regional bodies. Or I spoke so, to yes. someone who was representative in one of I won't mention city or name, but yeah, was also very concerned a rock in the boat you might get your head chopped off and he you know he was trying to stay quiet yeah and it was very public you know i think that they obviously this could have been a change they could have done like very privately but no they went they did a one hour long tongue lashing and then and then removed him from his positions i mean i'm telling you that i think there's there it was a show trial it, it was. was a literal like we know where the, pow- the power essentially lies with with, with these feudal lords yeah. Yeah. yeah well and meanwhile in san mateo county we had the same thing happen to our representative on MTC, although it wasn't a show trial. It was just uh, it was a essentially a military junta. Um, <laughs> wow. You you literally had uh, our rep uh, Alicia Aguirre, who has promoted regionalism not just with Casa but with other aspects uh, like the Managed Lanes Project in uh, in San Mateo County. Mm-hmm. Um, every every year the uh, twenty. Uh, cities and towns of San Mateo County vote to reauthorize the rep for MTC. And this year, uh, Alicia Aguirre, who is who was our rep, uh, councilwoman, Latinx councilwoman in, in Redwood City, lost her seat, lost it to a woman named Gina Pappen, who's a councilwoman in Millbrae, uh, who strongly opposes the Casa Compact, um, who strongly opposes... Uh, who strongly opposes regionalism, essentially, at, at all levels, um, who is publicly railed against CASA, uh, who is publicly railed against housing projects, um, who is who is just as recently as a couple weeks ago referred to a uh, $400 million development as looking like she was, quote, driving into the projects. Um, you know, yeah. this is this is who we this is who the cities of San Mateo County just put on MTC. And they didn't do it publicly like uh, they did with Jake McKenzie in, in the North Bay. They held a meeting at a Thai restaurant in Burlingame on a Friday night at 6 p.m. Uh, and voted her off. Um, is that is, is wow. that not Brown Act? It's no, it's not. It's not. It's not a Brown Act because it was a notice meeting, noticed a couple weeks in advance <laughs> at a Thai restaurant. I'm, I'm sure at a Thai was. restaurant. Yeah, at the Coconut Bay Thai restaurant. <laughs> this very posh, 
little place in in Burlingame. I assume. I assume he's buried underneath the floor there. Um, Yeah, you know, and they had this essentially coronation, is what it was. Yeah. um, For for Alicia, or excuse me, for for Gina. I mean, to me, it sounds like basically like the antis, the like the the slow growth, the the climate change deniers, yeah, out organizing. Yes. Well, and and the people that you know the the essentially swing votes for her came from you know you'll never guess which communities they came from they came from Atherton and they came from Burlingame I know and Woodside and you know all these all these places that was another one yes it's a a classic (laughs) asymmetry left and right the left will start like squabbling over all these disagreements and fall into different sects and believe they are each other's enemy and the right falls in line yes every single time it's like they could say oh yeah we probably disagree about whether you know these people are a subhuman species or not you know we might have little disagreements but we agree about our vision of the suburbs of the future yes well and in this case it's not so much left and right more so you know outsiders versus establishment versus mm-hmm. entrenched uh versus, interest, yeah exactly yeah. exactly to, to me and, it's pretty clearly right wing to believe that the entrenched people in a certain hierarchy should be preserved their privilege yes okay and so like when at at the abag meeting you had um ab inglis of tenants together uh saying that they didn't support the compact because they wanted the rent control or they wanted the tenant protection provisions to be stronger which is fair Mm -hmm. uh you had other people at the meeting saying they wanted the compact to move forward uh but strengthen the tenant protections and meanwhile you have uh, you know, Alicia Aguirre being ousted from MTC uh, because she supported regionalism. You have Jake McKenzie being ousted uh, from his various boards up in the North Bay mm-hmm. because he supported regionalism. Um, so essentially you have while while people on various levels of equity organizations are are somewhat squabbling about this, you have the exclusionary communities organizing. In line um, or whatever. But I think yeah. it's like it's like a, whatever. We have to counter the NIMBYs or whatever. we have to counter the the absolute crazy fouling that is coming um toward us. Uh, but at the same time, I think like we sh- like, we shouldn't like be like trying to water down our own. Whatever no, absolutely, to, to fight them. absolutely. But I, I think you're right though. There is there is a sense that like we got to make sure that like we're also like making sure that somebody has our six or whatever. Like we got to make sure that like we're watching our back on this exactly because you know we're hoping that like hopefully pushing to improve the compact as much as possible is like the right strategy. What? At the same time, we can't have like our allies essentially getting like knife clobbered and yeah exactly so here's a question why 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 not do this like why would it not be better to have the casa compact but only the good guys and you don't bring on anybody perceived as being the bad guys well i mean which to me is like my subjective idea of who's looking what what it's looking like is that all of the people that you would think of as being supportive of things that we care about are being picked off. Yes, yeah. one by one. That's the thing. Like Corey Wallback, right? Yep. Lost his reelection race by the highest margin of anyone in the South Bay. Yes. Like I love the guy. He worked really hard to get reelected, but because and he's he still was, yeah. Yeah, and he but because he was like identified as being the guy in Palo Alto who was like, "Hey, I don't know, guys, this is a great place to live and schools are good. Maybe we should let some working class people live here or whatever." <laughs> like, you know, how dare thing. he? How dare he? He needed to go. And then I think that's the thing. Like they have the very kind of 
you know, I mean, Savita, Savita, Vita, Yanathan in, in Cupertino, Cupertino, just like, you know, she tried. She tried to reason with these people, you yeah. know? And not to, like, this And this instead, strikes... we got Mayor Scharf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this strikes me as, as bootlicking. Uh, Lenny Siegel, mayor of, of Mountain View, has been A one mensch. of the most- yeah, great, great guy, great, great on producing housing and tenant uh, protections. Great guy in general. Uh, got defeated. Uh, he's completely off the council now, and he just wrote an article this week saying local control is still the best way. And I'm just saying, it's you like, got to read the article. The, the, sure. the headline, I think, is a little bit misleading. I okay. gotta say, the article is actually really good. Basically, sure, it's all about how like they've been able to negotiate uh, advantages for tenants. And for transportation in Mountain View through like very localized like processes. Now, however, that's the thing. But also, you Lenny mean... just got kicked. Lenny, who exactly. was spearheading, yes, that, just that's got what kicked I'm saying. Exactly, that's and that's I'm... the thing. Like that's what's crazy about it. Basically, basically, it was the same idea that a lot of like the American founders had. At least under the original, uh, or the under the Articles of Confederation, is that this would be like you know philosopher kings, and everyone would go in there with their best interests and stuff. And then Madison showed up, and he was like, "Nah, <laughs> these are terrible people, and we need to find ways to like constrain their ability to do terrible things." Yes, and I think like Lenny has this idea of local control as being this thing where like you know high-minded people like him, right? You know these kind of Thomas More type guys who are going to come in there and be like, "We're going to rebuild this city." And turn it into a great integrated sustainable place and like he gets kicked off the council <laughs> and, you know? and i would agree with and, that line of thinking yeah. if every council person in every city in lenny the bay Siegel. entire area was lenny siegel <laughs> yeah. or if lenny siegel survived mm-hmm. instead of getting deposed like this yeah. Yes. yeah and he did great things with the, the local power that he had right yeah. he forced google to actually pay a, like you know on a per square foot basis i think some of the highest community benefits that there are that, that any city in the in the, yeah. in the bay area has has ever paid he he was spearheaded the um the head tax in 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 mountain view he got more affordable housing built in that city uh since he's been on council than any <laughs> than literally any other time in mountain view history yeah it's, just, yeah. it's worth noting like you know, what makes people turn against i have a, a friend who is a homeowner uh is doing pretty well and you know was had for blood for lenny siegel because he mm-hmm. once rode through one street in a bicycle saw a bunch of cars parked in the street uh and when asked about is it over like there's too much cars in the, on the road it's like oh it's fine it's not that bad he's like no lenny siegel's wrong and i must make sure he's off the council yeah no it's i like, mean uh, if, you have, if you're ever in uh, the mountain view voice uh, <laughs> uh, t- uh and you don't want section. to be in the mountain view voice comment section yeah yeah the you... mountain view common uh, voice uh comment section is really where the beating heart i think of uh the revanchist uh right in uh, mountain view lives and lenny was just like their bet noir like they hated this man it's john so inks bread and butter if you understand <laughs> what that means yeah like, exactly and that's only it's not the personal. He's, he's like he's not like a right winger, but I think if you're a homeowner who like it's like you just you, you just want to keep things the same. I, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I think they thought like basically they had a good thing going, right? Yes. You know what I mean? It was like prohibition or something like that, right? They had a good thing going before Lenny came along and like yeah. actually brought this like new. I mean, he, there were a lot of people with him there. You know, Pat Walter also lost her seat, right? Yeah. yeah. She was on. She was. She was on that train. Yep. But basically, they had a good thing going. It was let Google grow out in the middle of nowhere because that's the way the Mountain View people think of everything north of 101 by the way and like a lot of cities are like that Santa Clara Sunnyvale the same thing whatever happens on the north of 101 
isn't even in their city in the way that they think about it, yeah. right? Like zoning so, works exactly. And then you have this weird pipeline where people have a bottleneck every morning going from one side to the other. Exactly. Yeah. So the way that Mount, that Mountain View experienced Google growth was their houses uh, were worth more money. All of the people who uh, got to move to Mountain View. I uh, lived either right next to the train station or like on Middlefield or something, right? Yeah. And apartments that already existed most of the time. Or there were on buses on 101 <laughs> coming in from San Jose and from San Francisco and from Oakland. And so, you know, they had a good thing going, right? The the housing prices went up and they never had to deal with it, right? Yep. Here comes Lenny, you know, Lenny and the crew is like, hey, uh, guys. By the way, I'm going to double the housing stock <laughs> in the <this> city. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, bad news, guys. We actually like got to like, this is this is bad. This is bad for the environment. This is terrible. We need to have more people live here. We've been kicking the can down the road. And oh, by the way, this is the end of that. Like, yeah, we have to yeah. start being responsible. And of course, they revolted. Anyway, I don't know. As people tend to do when they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a certain sense that if you want to, if you want to have incremental reforms in the system, yeah, you, you're, you're rocking the boat. You get, mm-hmm. I mean, and I think the people who would say, okay, you know, Lenny used to be my guy, I think they have to like find a much more systemic way to change things because I don't think incremental change has any road forward based on what we're seeing in all this. You know, one of the questions that I've actually I have had is that, um, you know, Mountain View has grown uh, to some extent. I mean, it's not grown, you know, to the level, it's not a boom town, right? Like it's, but, but to be fair, like I think that last 15 years or so, it has grown in population. All the new people are most likely tech workers and their families. Are they politically involved? No. Are you seeing this at no. all? No, no. Okay. They're, they're not. Although I, I, what I have seen in San Mateo is that people are starting to get involved. Because, mm, um, you know, you look at the voting totals, you're just like, I don't know, man, like, it's like 5,000 votes to become <laughs> like, yep. council person. Like, you can't rustle up 5,000 votes from Google workers or there's, whatever. There's, a, there's you know? a few weirdos <laughs> in, like, a heavy percentage or people, like, I try to reach out to to be on the show or something. But most people are just, they go home, they, they you know, they I mean, if you think about they, it, they like, sleep, they go to work. an apartment, like, let's say, you know, there's an apartment complex over on... Um, What's that street on Middlefield, um, in uh, in Mountain View, and it's like you know I think three hundred units or something like that. And okay, uh, obviously like modern life, people don't have any children and stuff. But let's say on average you've got four hundred people who live there. Let's say most of them are adults, registered voters. That that could outvote an entire neighborhood in San, in, in oh, absolutely. an entire neighborhood in Mountain View, right? I mean, One there's building. a period of time in Cupertino during like. So during the counting of the ballots during the last election, there's a time when uh, uh, John Wiley and uh, I forget her name now, the not NIMBY uh, councilwoman in Cupertino who got voted off. Uh, Savita? Savita. Yeah, yeah Savita, thank you. Uh, there, was, there was a time when Savita and John Wiley were trading positions of literally one vote, mm-hmm. right? Like every day the count would be updated and- Savita would be on top one day, and John Wiley would be on top mm-hmm. the other. By the way, that was my like personal nightmare. I was like, it was my new, like you know, it was like the upshot needle that was during the election or yes. whatever. That's my new upshot needle. Is like the Santa Clara County website constantly yes. reloading. Local <laughs> politics is so much more dramatic so and fun slowly. than anything. It yeah. really so slowly. Oh god, it was this <laughs> this last election was really was really just a nail biter, and mm-hmm. and the between the mail ins and the ballot count, just everything. was... Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. 
Was, I didn't know this. Like, you know, I'm new to California. You know, I didn't know that it takes like a week and a half, two weeks to get. Neither like, did we. <laughs> you know. But you talk about the, the tech workers being involved and all this. I think part of it is there isn't a lot of class conscious as far as tenants go. Because even if you're a renter, you don't believe that you're a renter. You're a temporarily embarrassed, you know, future homeowner. Yes. And no one believes that homeownership is not going to work for them. Who, no. who is if they if they are, they've already moved to Tracy. Yeah, you know? and I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably just not worried about it, right? It's not their problem. They're just here to work, right? Yeah, like that's their that's their focus. They they need to whatever I don't know, execute at at their at their job. Oh, let me go. To that's planning. overrated. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have to go. I go to planning meetings or whatever. That that is that's probably more than they than they bargained for when they moved here from Michigan or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I do. I do think. I mean, this is largely how Yimby got started. I mean, there there is a certain segment uh, of those tech workers who are looking at their, you know, rent statements every month going, what the hell? Why am I spending this much of my income to live in Mountain View? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think to a large extent, those people, it's, it's not that they don't support tenants' rights, but I don't think they've ever been introduced to them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think there's a proximity. Is- there's a proximity problem to to tenants' rights. The the truth is like, if if you've literally never uh, been near an eviction, yeah, who cares? Like in in the sense of like to those people, like if you've never even understood why anyone gets evicted, like then of course like you're not going to understand why it's so important to just force a landlord to say why they want to evict someone. If right? you haven't seen an eviction up close and personal, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it absolutely is. Um, I it think it's harder to to empathize yeah. and to understand why it's important. And then you think about important. it, it's a numbers problem. You're like, well, we've got so many, you know, we're creating X amount of jobs. We're creating, you know, Y amount of housing. We need to make sure that there's like some kind of balance there that'll bring down the prices. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. It's going to bring down the prices. It's going to stabilize them. Yeah. Right. But there's another layer to the market as well that we need to take care of. You know, I think Absolutely. a big a big thing is you know, tech workers like to think in systems and how to fix different parts of the system to find the, the bug in the code and not not really in power dynamics and i think that's just just i think part of the natural way that tech workers self-segregate and self-select for their outlook of the world and Mm -hmm. i think it's one of the unfortunate things we see in the bay area is that at best you see people who want to fix a few things in the system which is actually absolutely correct that's a really good way to put it because i've always wondered why like the not i don't mean yimbyism or yimby movement in general and i don't mean like like libertarians in general because i know why libertarians are like the way that they are but (laughs) why exactly there was such a alignment of 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 interest between you know engineer type tech worker people and yimbyism because i'm like yo this is like we're trying to like destroy like <laughs> the landlord power here right like why are you guys so interested in this and then now i realize of course that like they they found the bug in the code yeah and it's zoning and it's one yes. of the but like you don't you want to go to them and be like hey man we're like we're actually trying to like destroy this like system yeah that's like problematic we're not just trying to like fix it <laughs> it's like Land- we're trying to like Land ownership is a bug. 
But yeah, I, I, I see why zoning is such a because uh, they're like that's the bottleneck. Yeah, and it's like well, there are a bunch of other bottlenecks. Yeah, I mean, I I do think there is a big uh, there is a big correlation between obviously engineers and wanting to wanting to find the bug and wanting to fix the problem. I do so. The other thing that I that I do tend to think is that and and I have experienced is most of the people or or a lot of the people who who get into yimbyism or who get into uh, get into housing advocacy from from that um, get into it because they are younger, uh, you know, upper middle class. They've just moved to a city. And they're looking at I mean, they're they're looking and they're saying, wait, why the hell am I paying X amount of dollars to live in the suburb that doesn't even have X, Y, Z? Why am I paying this amount of money to live in, uh, you know, this closet uh, in uh, whatever area, you know, choose your neighborhood in San Francisco Mm -hmm. uh, when an apartment anywhere else in the country would be dramatically less? What the hell is going on here? Um, this shouldn't happen to me is kind of a subtext. And part oh, of it is because it, it's been sold to them of like kind of like, you know, there is going to be a general higher earners and lower earners. But it's kind of surprising yes. they come here. It's like, oh, I was one of I was one of the people who was privileged. And I'm still getting a bad rub. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, then the other thing that that comes down to is when you're talking about tenants rights and when, when you're talking about justice, um, exposing those same people. Those people have been exposed to a problem mm-hmm. and they want to figure out uh, having that kind of background, they want to figure out some way to fix it. So the logical step in getting them involved to me and involved in ten- in the tenant movement is exposing them to that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have found the best way to do that is getting them in a room full of landlords and CAA <laughs> members and just letting them talk. I and I'm and I'm serious about this because we had a couple we had a couple Yimbies in in the Peninsula Yimby group who were like somewhat I think on the fence about, you know, why why tenant uh protections matter. And then we had this relocation ordinance in San Mateo in uh, September, and I encouraged all the Peninsula Yimby people to come out for it, and a bunch of them did. And then they heard realtors and landlords <laughs> say, "We just need these renters. We just need to find, you know, they just need to find some money to buy a home." Literally, this is actually yeah, yeah, a quote. Yeah, that solution. So, and and after that, you had, I had people come up and say, "Oh my God, like I get it now. Like this yeah. makes holy." These people are terrible. Yeah, a lot of people don't like. That's the thing. Like a lot of you can't don't imagine. You. Yeah, you they can't don't unless you. you listen to this happen. Like unless you watch this unfold. Unless you watch the tire fire of a tenant projection hearing with mom and pop landlords and quote unquote responsible housing providers and CAA members. Uh, you know, all denigrating renters and saying the awful things that they uh, undoubtedly will say. Um, it's hard to believe that people could be that awful, that people are that awful, especially people who, you know, um, you've got realtors and, you know, these mom and pop landlords who could easily be family members of Mm -hmm. yours, right? Like they're not some nebulous entity like, like the CAA is or something. A lot of Um, people are like, you know, sucker moms and literally dads. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and so... Actually witnessing these people be the awful people that they are and say the awful things that they say is a great way to get people who would otherwise be uh, t- 
is a great way to get younger people who are interested in housing um, to really glom onto the tenants movement. Yeah, really... it's such a, it, that's beautiful. I love that radicalizing them by like yeah. <laughs> turning well, them. The, I mean, the way showing them the true true face of capitalism. Yeah, I mean, the way a lot of Yimbis <laughs> talk about you know, ha, you know, how are you radicalized and a lot of Yimbis will say a meeting of the San Francisco Planning Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the same way, uh, that radicalization uh, is just as likely to happen at a meeting. Uh, of a rent control ordinance. Or exactly. Like that, where exactly. Like comes in and says it's communism. Yes. To, people. Like, pe- not exactly. Allow me to kick it's out all it's my Ava Chow <laughs> saying you know this is rent control is slavery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> like that. That is absolutely going to radicalize people. Yeah. You don't have to pick your one bad actor you dislike. No, there's, there's a lot. There to are some. many it's... bad actors to go around. There are many problems that need fixing, and in yeah. fact, you can be involved in all of them. Yeah. Um, I like and that. and in fact, you should be involved in all of them. Yeah. I think I hear sometimes from some some uh, some Yimbis who are like, you know what the solution is is that we need to like uh, weaken the leverage of uh, of landlords in these transactions, you know, by having more housing, which then gives the tenants the you know the leverage to be able to move, you know. And I, I'm always thinking to myself that like, what what beautiful beautiful uncomplicated life you've had, you know, <laughs> that you have been able to have normal and very equal uh, representation <laughs> of... and transactions well, with your landlord and in a, per- and in a perfect world and harassed and, and in a perfect world you could just move to a new apartment when your landlord was being like well, I mean, in a perfect landlord, world your landlord is not being for no reason yes like, also that's, it's I think financially the problem, the problem has always been that like oh well your land, if your landlord sucks you can just move there's a reason why your landlord sucks it's because your apartment costs a certain amount of money yes. and they think they can get more money out of it I heard some uh, <laughs> a hot tip from market urbanists who say that if you want tenant protections you should uh, negotiate this with your landlord before you move in and it's and people yeah. obviously don't want it because they're not negotiating these they're, things they're just yeah. not negotiating with yeah. their landlords enough and I mean I think you're right like being like being faced with what like like landlord ideology with landlord ideology is definitely like it's got to be radicalized because yes. I think a lot of people think of their landlord exactly and I'm like your landlord you've probably never been late on your rent you've probably never had a problem you're probably white like your landlord loves you your you, landlord is who you like they, you are who they want like, exactly yeah and there are a lot of people who I think would be would be incredibly sympathetic and and would be more than willing to work with and join tenant movements. They just literally don't know. They just literally haven't had these experiences. And so getting them, in my experience, the fastest way to radicalize a Yimby to something is to put them in a situation where absolutely obscene, absurd things are being said. Um, And in some instances, that's a planning commission hearing, and in others, that's a meeting with realtor reps and the CAA. Mm-hmm. They have the same practical effect of jarring people into, oh, my God, who are these people? Why is this process like this? Mm-hmm. We need to do something about this. Yeah. Um, I, always, I find that happening every time I explain what Just Cause is yeah. to people who have never heard of it before. You're like, like, oh, that's totally reasonable. No. Well, also, they're like, wait, that's not a thing. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, you don't have a you don't have to give a reason when you you can like, just kick people out of their home. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Wait, by, by the same token, I think that the the Yimby mindset is falls in the trap of saying if someone disagrees with them on anything, it's like okay, they're my enemy now. There's a battle line. They disagree with my solution, so I must fight them and and take them down with logic. And I yeah. think that, that's that's a trap fall into. There's a lot of common ground. Work with people. I think Casa yeah. does a lot to try to yes. say. Find the common ground with people and don't be a debate team nerd. Yeah. Uh, and there's always the <laughs> emphasis problem, which I'm, I'm glad that problem. I mean, I feel like that discourse, TM, is definitely like diminished dramatically. Remember the, uh, how come you didn't show up to this thing? <laughs> like, I remember, Never I remember heard that, that before. Being, uh, I didn't even live in the Bay Area when I first started <laughs> seeing the, like, how come you didn't show up to this thing? Oh, well, I was at doing this other good thing. <laughs> How come you weren't at the other good thing? Yes. Well, I was doing this other good thing, so, <laughs> you know. There's there's a lot of back and forth yeah. of, yeah, every, everyone's trying to do good things, and there there's absolutely no reason for, for like, 99% of that kind of discourse. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have never understood. I mean, I, I guess there's a certain, but, like, like other Yimbies who are upset that, you know, DSA members or tenant advocates aren't showing up to plan com hearings. Like, they have better stuff to do. Yeah, I, like they, giving they, people tenant right to legal counsel and like raising three hundred million dollars a year for homelessness. Exa- <laughs> but, exactly. I mean, it's it's like that, these orgs are stretched thin enough as it is. Like, mm-hmm. it it's okay that they don't show up to a planning commission hearing. Yeah, like yeah. and don't expect them yeah, to. Yeah, I remember that being a very specific one where it was like, how come you didn't show up to this whatever thing about this project? And it was like, yo, we literally had like a mass eviction happen or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but the truth is like, I think there's a le- there's a level in which that can become a, um, like an excuse, like a yes. for real excuse where people are like, I was doing this righteous thing. <laughs> That's why I couldn't come to this thing. And the truth is like, yeah, maybe like you can't show up to like all of them. But, yeah, there are a couple of cases in which you actually can show up to at least one or two of them. Like, you know, one of the great things was when the Rock Street uh, demolition thing was happening in Mountain View. Yeah. You can be turned out, man. You know, that was great. And then the tenant, right, the tenant folks were all like, were like, oh, man, it was great to see them because then they heard it from everyone, basically. It's terrible that to... um, to uh, demolish uh, um, affordable, uh, naturally occurring affordable housing, yeah, and replace, replace it, with... it with like fewer units, like it was ridiculous. So I, I can't show up to the important things. I'm I'm busy fighting with my perceived enemies on Twitter. That's my <laughs> that's my posting is warfare. Yeah, <laughs> posting is praxis. Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good place to kind of end on about like the <laughs> the solutions of cost. And, and, and if, I mean, you your final thoughts like 25 minutes ago as we're wrapping up. <laughs> what are your what are your final thoughts? Um, and keep them short because you know. Sure, I can. I can keep my thoughts short. Um, I mean, really, my final thoughts as it as it comes to to Casa is, this is this is a really amazing first step. Um, regionalism, I think, is is the way we need to go. Um, continuing to build power on the ground between uh, both both tenant protection advocates, housing advocates of every stripe is really important, um, but working as hard as we can to move this legislation overall at a, at a regional level is is incredibly important. Um, and then working to make sure that our local advocates on the ground who who are in elected positions um, don't, you know, get knifed in a back alley uh, <laughs> as as has occurred. Um, I think I think we just need to be more proactive um, 
in in making sure those people have have support. Protect Rod Sings at all costs. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the three Ps. Remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really encouraged. Um, I again, I come at this from a very historical perspective of of what's happened on the peninsula, where you have people who have articulated the CASA solutions literally since like the 80s, right? Um, You've had people saying, we need tenant protections. We need to be producing more housing. We need to preserve affordable housing. Um, We need to, you know, create new financing mechanisms. None of these are new solutions. They're all things that have come piecemeal before. And this is really the first time that any of them, uh, really that all of them have been lumped together, that people are saying, all of these things need to happen. The housing crisis is multifaceted. The solutions are multifaceted. And we need to move on th- these things. And we need to move on these things now. This is an urgency. Um, and so that that's really encouraging. And I'm I'm really looking forward to the next year. Well, so, yeah, thanks so much, uh, Jordan. Thanks so much, Jason, for being here, talking about this for <laughs> many hours at this point. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, man. We'll hopefully come back for, like, an update at some point. Another yeah. Another five hours of... Great. (laughs) That was was, was long. uh, uh, We have been listening to a discussion on CASA Part 2 with Jordan Grimes and Ethan NDI. Listen to the full version of this roundtable at the website seethecat.org where previous episodes are also available. This is a presentation of Casey Shue, Stanford. Stanford.